Good morning, everybody. I'm Larry Jacobs. This is Pre-K-12 Education Talk Radio. The date for spring starts 2023. Tomorrow is the uh, solstice or the equinox? No, I'm going nuts. It's the, it's the equinox tomorrow. Okay. Going nuts. Okay. There you go. I forgot that from science class. Maybe one of the teachers I have today can help me. Okay, today's March 20th. At any rate, and welcome to today's show on Pre-K-12 Education Talk Radio. I got Solstice Equinox, the summer solstice. Yeah, so it's the spring equinox. I'm gonna, my teachers today will have, we've got some great teachers here today, okay? Every year, the NEA Foundation honors teachers from across the country, and they're going to continue that tradition of honoring outstanding public school educators with the Salute to Excellence in Education Gala, which will take place in D.C. in May, okay? The the award that is possible to receive is is basically the Academy Award of Education, and one of the teachers that we're going to be talking about today could be honored with the top award of the NEA member benefits uh, situation here. And um, three teachers who have already been honored by the NEA Foundation with the Horace Mann Award for Teaching Excellence. We've got Steve, Stephanie, Steve, Steph, sorry, Steph, Stephanie Ballard from Brookings, South Dakota, Kevin Gallagher from Pittsburgh, PA, and Teresa Maughan, I hope I'm pronouncing your name right, it might be Megan, from East Orange, New Jersey. And it's, we're going to talk to each of the three of them about what it's like to be honored by the group, by the NEA Foundation, etc. And talk about the upcoming awards. So bear with me for just a few seconds. We're going to archive the show over at the home website of our American Consortium for Equity in Education. That's over at ace-ed.org. And I know for a fact I'm going to let these three absolutely excellent educators tell you themselves how important equity is to them. We publish a magazine over there. It's an online journal. It's called Equity and Access. I hope you take the time to read it. Everything we do at ace-ed.org is free. We archive all our podcasts there, et cetera. So please check it out. We are the American Consortium for Equity in Education. Again, it's ace-ed.org. And I'm bringing on these three wonderful educators now with a big thank you to my friend Stacy Finkel who helped me put this show together. I'm going to the ladies first here, so you're going to have to wait, Kevin. Okay, I'm Larry Jacobs. Call me Larry. Good morning, Teresa. How do you pronounce last name you did it wonderfully my last name is pronounced mon it's actually my husband's last name but you were very good at pronouncing it there you go and congratulations even before i know you that well congratulations going this far it's really a great honor okay east orange new jersey all right Teresa, welcome to the show yep. and stephanie who i almost called stephanie hi steph it's Larry. <laughs> hi how are you Good. Thank you for having me. Are you kidding me? It's my pleasure. So how's the house Brookings, South Dakota? Where is Brookings? Tell, tell everybody is. a little bit about Brookings. Yeah. Yeah, Brookings is on the eastern side of the state of South Dakota, so right on, very, very close to the Minnesota-South Dakota border. Um, it is very, very cold, and we've had an awful winter. I think we're up to, like, 11 snow days. Um, we had, like, wow. one full day of school last week. It's just been a terrible winter, so we're... 
Yeah, oh. we're going to be going into school. Like, we have a lot of snow days to make up this year, <laughs> but um, it's been a good year. Uh, yeah, really good year, but just, yeah, oh, winter is rough for us this year in the Midwest. Well, I, I live in Maine. You're talking to someone from Maine, and this winter has not been too bad for us. I'm sorry to hear it was so tough in Brookings, for goodness sakes, but it's a cool place. We're going to get more detail about it. Congratulations to you, Steph, for going this Thank far. Thank you. Awards. It's incredible. Okay, got Thank to feel you. great about that. And now for the thorn amongst the roses, Kevin Gallagher, the only guy here. Hi, Kev. <laughs> Hello, Larry. How are you? I'm fine. Sorry about the Steelers. I'm from Philadelphia, the other side of the state. How are you today, uh, Kevin? That's okay. I'm okay. Um, the, well, we have a record low. Uh, sorry to make um, Stephanie feel bad. We have a record low snowfall in Pittsburgh this year. So there you go. Um, we've there had some, go. some some pretty decent weather actually, but I mean right now it's bright and sunny, but about 30 degrees. Yeah. But um, same, other than that, here. other than that, identical. Yeah. Yeah. Same, same with New Southern Jersey Maine. and New Jersey <laughs> as well. And the voice of New Jersey has spoken. At first, we had Fairly Dickinson all weekend, and now we have Teresa. Thank you, Teresa. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. Very How proud of our to, teams. You should be. How close are you to Teaneck? You're in East Orange. Um, I would say that we're not too far away, probably about a half hour up the parkway. Um, so uh, many of our – Yes, many of the we have some alumni from FDU that actually work within my building, so they're wow. very pleased. Yeah. Wow, they they should be extremely pleased. Okay, I just want to go over Stephanie. Okay, is a special ed teacher. Okay, at Mickelson Middle School in Brookings, South Dakota, right, Steph? Um, so actually, my position changed this year. I'm a seventh grade oh. math teacher, but I have worked for nine years as a special ed teacher. Um, just this last year, um, I switched positions, um, but I I still co-teach um, um, inclusion classes with students. Um, so I co-teach with special ed teachers um, still in seventh grade math. Well, I always say special ed is named for the special people who teach that subject. Special ed teachers go to heaven. I don't know if you know that, Steph, so congratulations. Mention my name when you you. get there, okay? Send me a postcard, okay? Okay? I will. Okay? And just real quick, tell us about Mickelson Middle School or Brookings. However you want to do this, just brag a little bit. Sure. Um, Mickelson Middle School, we have, I uh, like the best middle school in South Dakota, possibly in the Midwest. Um, We... (laughs) have about eight to 900 students, so it's a pretty rural community, um, but it's actually one of the bigger communities in South Dakota. Um, so most people would, I would guess, consider it more a rural um, city, but if you live in South Dakota, Brookings is is a big city in South Dakota. Um, we So Mickelson Middle School, we serve students um, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. Um, we Teaming is really, really important in our school. Um, So students are um, separated into, like, either the red team or the black team or the gray team. Um, And they have the the same, like, five core um, teachers within their school day. Um, Our school really prides ourselves on um, serving the whole child. And so we have some pretty amazing encore classes. Students are given just lots of variety and options to to, choose. Sorry, that was our bell going There's off. There's the bell. That's okay. To their next class. Um, but yeah, they have um, they have two like two to three class periods a day where they can choose um, to take 
like band, choir, music, orchestra classes, nice. um, project lead the way, STEM classes, engineering classes, um, a ton of variety of arts classes, um, family and consumer sciences classes. So, um, yeah, we really pride ourselves on like teaching and meeting the whole child um, and um, reaching students where they're at and reaching their there's um, like educating to their interests and to try to get them involved in extracurricular activities or just not school isn't just about reading writing and math and I say that as a math teacher Good enough. Um, Good enough. we have an awesome special education department um, yeah. that really works well with our general ed teachers in like co-teaching so a lot of our students in um, special education are actually um, included in the general classroom and those teachers provide services in the general classroom so that's kind of been my um, my pride and joy the last five or six years is um, starting up these inclusion classes within our school and in our district because um, students with special needs, we just um, know that they do better um, in their social skills um, and in academic growth when they're included in the general classroom. So that's really important at our school as well. Wonderful. That was a great thank you. That's a great explanation of a lovely school. I am sure and I love that inclusion factor. Teresa, okay. Yeah. I got to tell you the um, story here. I, wait, I'm going to tell you this. Hold on. Wait, I've got to do this. You're at East Orange okay. STEM Academy in East Orange, New Jersey, and you teach 10th grade early United States history honors, okay, and ethnic studies in African American history. And I was a history teacher. I'm much older than you, okay? And a thousand years ago, when I was a young history teacher at an elementary, at a junior high school that shows my age. Okay, outside of Philadelphia, the very few uh, African-American kids asked if I would teach an African-American history course. This is way back in the very early 70s. Okay, and I literally, I love the kids. I looked at them and I looked at them and I said, well, what's that? I know nothing about it. Back in those days, it wasn't even thought of. It wasn't even mentioned. So I'm so proud that we've gone far enough, okay, in this country that we have 10th grade U.S. history, ethnic studies, and African-American history. And as a fellow social studies teacher, I'm so thrilled you're being honored to do this and that you're able to do it because back when I was teaching, it wasn't even in the vocabulary. There you go, Teresa. That's wonderful. But I'm not so sure that you're very much older than I am. I've actually I'm, been I'm about 200 years older than you. I just aged well. Uh, I'm yeah. probably not, not too far away. I've been teaching for 41 years. So this is my 41st year. I'll give you that prize, absolutely. So I have the honor of working at East Orange STEM Academy. We are a magnet school within the East Orange School District. Population district-wide is probably close to 10,000. Within my school itself, we are grades 6 to 12. So we have a little under 700 students. And as far as our population, we are a diverse, mainly black and brown um, student population, but our students come from all across the world. I have students from the continent of Africa, from the Caribbean, from South America, from here in the United States. Um, very proud of our students. We focus on STEM, as was mentioned earlier, but we also work a lot on interdisciplinary concepts. So we try to blend the disciplines. Um, I do projects oftentimes with the science department or within the ELA department. I am a history teacher and a proud history geek. 
and we are so proud. <laughs> yesterday, yesterday in our state, we had our um, New Jersey History Day competition, and my school had over a hundred students who competed within that competition. And I am so proud that more than half of them, probably about 60% of them, advanced to the state competition. So we are excelling um, in many of the different disciplines. And it's just a wonderful place. It's been my home here in terms of work for 35 years in this district. By the way, I did grow up in Jersey City, the home of St. Peter's College from last year. Um, and so I've the been peacocks. yes, the peacocks. Even though I'm sad, yeah. I'm proud, but a little sad that I am a Rutgers a Rutgers alumni, and unfortunately, Proudly. RU did not have such a great year this they, year. They did but not. Next year, we'll get them. They yeah. did not. Did New but Jersey University, New Jersey State University, Rutgers did not make it. Congratulations on being yeah. close to both St. Peter's and and to FDU. Finally, that, yeah. that is just great. Absolutely. I got to tell you. And, and I want to mention someone else, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, but I just want to mention this, that you, you are also, you were born in Belize, am I correct? I am. I am an immigrant wow. to the United States, absolutely. And that's something wow. I have in common with the students in my school. We have many students who are uh, first generation or second generation. And so that's something that I really like to be able to share their experiences. And as a civics teacher as well, you know, we really yeah. can get authentic um, examples of naturalization and citizenship and the whole process. So it's just been a, a wonderful experience. Okay, and I'm going to invite all three. I'm going to Kevin now, but i got to say all three of you brought this up. We, we, we run the American Consortium for Equity in Education, special ed, kids of ethnicity and kids of color, et cetera, et cetera. We'd love you to go over. I want to invite all of three of you to go over to ace-ed.org, our website. And please subscribe to our magazine, which is all free. But I want you guys to get it because you're right on target. With uh, We're just so concerned about equity, and you guys are, as is Kevin. Kevin, it's, it's time to play Can You Top This against the ladies. You ready? It's, yeah, it's hard. Um, it's so I hard. teach at my alma mater. Let me give you uh, a good introduction. Let me give you a good introduction. been teaching for ahead. 26 years, teaches math and computer science. Wow. At Keystone Oaks in the Keystone State in Pittsburgh, PA. Okay, and I have this note. He, Kevin is committed to ensuring that students of color receive opportunities in the computer sciences, okay, which a lot of kids do not get, okay? Kevin, talk about Keystone Oaks. Hi, talk about what you do, and congrats for being here, my friend. Thank you. Um, so at my alma mater, I went to I went to Keystone Oaks. I grew up in the neighborhood. No, um, no. So I've been so I've been spent <laughs> almost all of my life, um, <laughs> you know, in the in my own district, uh, either going to school wow. or teaching. Um, we currently have uh, about a uh, little under 2,000 kids in the district, K to 12. My high school is a little under 600 students currently. So. Uh, you know, we've, we've fluctuated over time as far as enrollment. Uh, we run about 40% uh, free and reduced lunch, so you can kind of see where um, a lot of hardworking families um, in, in the neighborhood, uh, but we, we struggle a little bit. Um, we, we're typically about, uh, it takes about 10 minutes to get into downtown Pittsburgh, so we're right outside the city. Um, in the city limits, you can, you can walk right off a of campus and be in the city, so 
Uh, doesn't take long no. to do that. Um, you, but you're a separate school district from Pittsburgh, right? Uh, what's, we, what are, we are. We are. We are our own. In, in, we are the Keith and Oaks School District. So in Pennsylvania, we have 501 school districts. So it's it's oh, kind of different from um, other states where most school districts have, you know, one high school, maybe two at tops um, as far as things go. So uh, we've been honored the last couple of years for um, – specifically female diversity in computer science. So the last nice. two years, uh, last year we got, and then we get that for being over 50% of our students um, taking AP computer science. Um, oh, right. There are two AP computer science off courses that are offered. But, you know, referencing what you referenced earlier, uh, we offer several other computer science classes um, where, you know, there are no prerequisites. So uh, a few years ago, about six years ago, we removed um, boundaries and walls for so everybody could take um, the classes that they want in both statistics and computer science. So uh, that's allowed us to, you know, get a, a more diverse population, and uh, it's very representative in my classes. It, it's yeah, it's just uh, congratulations on the work you do at the place you Thank are, you. and for being there so long. It literally is where you spent your life. It literally is where you spent your life. I think it's just uh, impressive to say the least. And I want to ask all of you, and as you guys know, guys being colloquial, of course, as you folks know, okay, um, there's a lot of challenge out there with getting people to become teachers. And there's a lot of challenge out there, <clears throat> excuse me, with teacher retention. A lot of teachers, and you three know this, uh, are leaving the profession, okay? And yet here's the three of you to be honored in Washington, winners of the Horace Mann Award. So I have to ask you. And I'll, I'll just say, we'll start with Kevin here. Kevin's going to set the pace here. Kevin, what keeps you in teaching? What inspired you to become a teacher? And what keeps you motivated? And that's going to be the same question to all three of you. So let's start with Kevin on this one. Kevin. I think, you know, the environment that I've created um, and my colleagues have created here at Keystone Oaks is it's not, you know, I don't look at it as work. Um, I, I come in yeah. and, and, nice. and have fun every day. Um, I enjoy my job. I, I look forward to it, you know, nearly every day uh, when I come to work. Um, I love the community that I'm in and not only the community, the families that, that are in the school, but, but you know, the teachers that, that work here, the administrators that work here. Um, so that, that kind of family atmosphere and, and, you know, more of a small school um, than, than our surrounding schools. So, uh, it's a little bit easier to get to know your colleagues and the families and, and things like that. And a lot of the families um, are legacies. They they stay. Um, yeah. So I, yeah. I see a lot of um, <laughs> students that are in my classroom now, actually, you know, so show my age, but a lot of the students that are in my classroom now, I went to high school with their parents. So of course. Um, yeah. you, that's, that's pretty, uh, pretty evident in most of my classes. And every <laughs> once in a while I'll run into I'll run into a student who, who I, I taught their parents. So that's an interesting uh, dynamic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so. But, it, but again, it, it just, it just goes to show you that that's why it's easy to enjoy because, you know, I know a lot of the people uh, in the community and it, it makes my job, you know, a lot easier coming to work every day um, and, yeah, and having a good nice. time. It's nice. I always say you you're teaching at the at the school you went to. I always say one of the fun things about doing that is, is that you can get to call all your old teachers by their first names, everybody. So it's really fun. <laughs> you don't call them Mister and Miss anymore. Okay. Uh, let's go over to uh, Stephanie. Stephanie, Brookings, South Dakota. Talk about yeah. what motivates you each day and why you became a teacher and all that sort of stuff. Stephanie. So. 
I became a teacher um, because I truly loved school, and growing up, I truly loved the public school system. So a lot of people don't know this about me, but I was actually homeschooled by my mom until sixth grade. Um, So I have three siblings, and she homeschooled me um, just for various reasons. But um, in sixth grade, my parents decided to send me and my three siblings, who were all different ages, um, to the public school system, and I... I just fell in love with the public school system. I loved my teachers. I loved my friends. I loved, like, the social interaction. Um, Getting to learn with peers was just – I look back and, like, my – the biggest moments in my childhood and my adolescence um, revolved around school. And so I just – I guess I just always knew growing up, like, that's where I was going to work. I was going to be just like my teachers. Um, what motivates me to stay, I'll, I'll say this in the last three years, um, some pretty traumatic things have happened in my personal life that like almost caused me to leave the field of education. Like I just, um, things happened in my personal life that like I, I wasn't, I thought that, um, my home life was falling apart and I wasn't going to be able to like, like keep these connections with these students and have meaningful relationships with my colleagues. Um, and it, I was almost fearful of, like, um, returning to work um, in the last three years um, just because of things that were happening in my personal life. Um, mm-hmm. And when I came back to school, I realized that, like, public school teachers and educators, they're just as supportive of their coworkers as they are their students. Um, and they, like, amazing things can happen in your personal wow. life and your professional life when you're given support of colleagues. And I, I just don't think that there are other jobs or professions out there that, like, you build that close of connections and relationships um, when you, like, truly depend on your colleagues Um, And so that's kind of, I was um, named South Dakota Teacher of the Year last year, and that's kind of been my my story as I've um, given lots of keynotes and um, traveled around the state to talk to early career educators or students um, in universities and colleges around our state that are thinking about going into the field of education, um, just encouraging them to, like, build connections and build close relationships with your yeah. colleagues, you can, you can, I just truly don't think you can get by in education and, and be retained in education um, without the, that support and without those, um, those close relationships with your colleagues. Um, and then just um, encouraging them to like, you know, find a mentor, find an older teacher who knows the ropes and will invest in you um, and in your personal life and in your professional life. Um, and so that's, Truly, like, my relationships with my colleagues, I love my students, but um, my colleagues who have supported me through some of the hardest um, experiences of my life, are, they really do keep me coming back to the classroom. Wow, that's, that's, that's quite a statement. I, and on that note, I want to stick with you for a second, Steph. All this, I, I, don't, I don't remember South Dakota per se, okay, on this, but with COVID, you know, the schools were closed, basically, and it became online learning. The buildings were closed. Okay, in most yeah. of the country, it became online learning. I don't remember. Was it that way in South Dakota? I'm not sure. Was it? Um, Did you guys close schools for well, South I don't, Dakota, just don't we, that from that, like, March of 2020 to May, we were remote, just like the rest of the country. But then since August of 2020, we've been open. Um, there were okay. districts around um, – 
around our state that would have to close down for two or three weeks because there were so many exposures um, and so many like infections. Um, Brookings actually, so my school district, we were kind of the unpopular school district in the state that we chose to mask for that whole school year. I, I can't um, believe and you we were, were ever unpopular. Of, yeah. yeah, and we were honestly in the so conservative South Dakota, but we were, yeah, it was pretty unpopular. Um, and our school district did. We did math for a whole school year, and we were one of the only districts that did not have to close down um, because we had, I, I believe that it was because we had um, some pretty strict protocols for um, contact tracing and wearing masks that school year. But, yeah, we've been open since August of 2020. Um, most of South, yeah, all of South Dakota has, but there have been some schools that had to close down for a couple weeks on end just because, there were too many kids out or there were too many families or staff that were mm -hmm. exposed. Um, but Brookings, yeah, we have been up and running since August of 2020. And, and, and the reason I brought that up, you know, it's, inter, inter, it's interesting to talk about the socialization process, you know, and, and, yeah. and uh, every teacher went through this, you know, and, and you were homeschooled for a long time. All right. And yeah. The yeah. Fact yep. that school are very important. And, and you brought it up perfectly for socialization. Okay. Because yeah. we have enough, on without with that's not social i.e every kid just living on their phone all the time yeah okay yeah play but phone and and, and it, whatever it's just human nature that we are communal all right and yep. the fact is that when you can build a community around you okay and that seems to be what you, what you're doing it, it really discusses the impact of covid not so much for say in south dakota as you did get back to school or even a lot of other places they didn't Okay, and that's hard. That that was hard on everybody, and so uh, I hope everything with the family worked out absolutely perfectly, and things are much better now for you, Steph. I want to swing over to uh, Teresa. Teresa, talk about what what got you into teaching, okay, and how do you motivate yourself all the time, okay? Talk about this. This is key stuff in this okay. day and age. They got to hear it from it's the real. from the great leaders here. Go ahead. It is. Um, I think it goes back to what both Stephanie and what Kevin had mentioned in terms of, you know, this work, it's passion work, right? It sounds like a cliche. It's heart work. I don't think any of us know anyone who became a teacher because they thought it was a source of uh, a high income. And for me personally, why I became a teacher was kind of remembering back to the fact, uh, we alluded to the fact that I was born in Belize. And my story yes. is that when I was in sixth grade, my family, I discovered um, that my family was facing deportation. And so this is in the, you know, 1970s. And um, my dad, yes. if you've ever had, if you had ever met him, he was a pretty quiet man. Um, thought he could handle everything on his own, but it got to the point where uh, even his employer was unable to have his visa um, renewed. We had come on a work visa. My dad had been was a printer. And he turned to my school. I was in a parochial school in Jersey City, and he turned to my teachers, and I had a wonderful teacher for social studies. Her name was Mrs. Roman, and she's still with us, and I am so blessed to have her in my life. And she oh, really galvanized our community and got the students and the parents writing letters, arranging wow. for newspaper coverage. Um, I have a classmate that sent me a letter from Senator Harrison A. Williams, who responded sure. to his dad's 
letter that, oh, the family will be able to stay until the end of the school year. But obviously, we were able to navigate that long, tedious navigation, uh, naturalization process. And I actually had a first thought about being an immigration attorney. And then I remembered the impact that Mrs. Roman had on my family. And this is, you know, work as a teacher. It is about the connections and the realizations that sometimes we don't realize how much of an impact and a difference we make in someone else's lives. And I've been doing this passion work for a long time, and what keeps me in it is the fact that every year is different. Every class is different. We have different people that we see and spend time with in our learning community each period. And I think it's always new to me, you know, the relationships, the connections. And it's not something – I've had a seventh grader ask me when I was um, visiting another school, don't I get tired of teaching? Because I told him how long I'd been teaching. And I honestly said that I don't even keep track of the years um, because I am blessed that there are ways that I keep it going. It's difficult work. It's challenging it what sure we is. do as teachers. But it's very rewarding, and I think I help to give myself a personal vitamin B12 shot, I think, by <laughs> renewing every opportunity, getting to workshops and seminars and connecting. Stephanie and I know each other as state teachers. We had the wonderful experience of meeting with each other several times in person, and wow. Stephanie will tell you that we have formed our state teacher cohort. We've formed a mm -hmm. bond and a family, and we support each other professionally, personally. And as Stephanie mentioned, mentioned, mentorship is the key, whether it be formal or informal, knowing mm -hmm. that there's someone next door or someone down the hall or someone across the country, as Stephanie is from me, that I can turn to with a question mm -hmm. or to just vent. And I think we have to remember that if we remember, remind ourselves that we are a community and that we should look out for each other. We look out for the students, and, and they keep me going. They are just amazing. You know, every year I'm in awe of what brilliance we can pull forward from them and let them shine. But as Stephanie stated, we also have to remember that we need each other. And that makes it, as Kevin stated, that's what makes it not feel like work when you're in the midst of it. And so that, uh, this is a profession I, I really, really obviously, you know, enjoy doing. You know, what, what's so amazing, I asked all three of you the same question. Obviously, we didn't plan this in advance. And all three of you said the, the community, the, so, the, the social aspects of education, be it with the kids, be it with other teachers. Kevin's been in the same district been, what, for 200 years now, Kev. Okay? It's, <laughs> Something just, like that, it's, yeah. It, it, it's, 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 it, there was such a nice warm feeling from all three of you, okay, about that. And I just think it, I, I, that was just very, very nice. I, I it, You know, I, I think you're all going to go on a different tack, and you went, on that, and I just thought it was really heartfelt and nice. 
you know, you heard me say that we're all involved with equity here. And, uh, you, you know, let's go over it again. Teresa teaches uh, African-American history and ethnic studies. Okay, Steph works with special ed kids. Kevin, Kevin, I know wants to push a computer science for, for kids of color. Okay, let's go back to Kevin. Let's talk about that equity issue and how that fits into to, to, to your world these days, Kevin, if I may. Yeah, I, I like the fact that, you know, for years I was a traditional math teacher and, you know, kids from, uh, you know, I remember and I was guilty at this, that, you know, basically tracking students from the time they were fifth grade to the time they were 12th grade. And, you know, I, I realized that after a certain point that, you know, we were, you know, underserving, you know, the majority of this population that we weren't, we weren't allowing students to take, you know, more rigorous classes. So, you know, I looked at, you know, what could we do? You know, we got a, we had a national math and science grant that came in and that was like, kind of like right in my wheelhouse as far as, you know, the mm-hmm. things that I was looking to do. Um, and we, we started tearing down boundaries and, and we did, not only did we do that in math and computer science, but we also did that in other cl- other realms too. Like, so, you know, we got rid of a lot of, um, you know, classes and other departments that weren't necessarily, um, pushing kids to their, their highest potential. And then we here, got, here. We, yep. we picked Keep up, going. we picked up several AP classes. So we went from about administering about 70 or so AP tests a year. Now we regularly are well over 300. So we've, wow. we've quadrupled that in a three year period. And we've maintained that well, that's probably the thing I'm most proud of is we've maintained that level. Um, and there were a lot of, there were a lot of, um, rewards for students like they actually got a little bit of a stipend if they would pass an exam like during that time oh, to try to get great. that interest up and um oh, I love and <laughs> and um but uh, so i was concerned that when when the grant went away would we keep that same level of you know rigor and we have we've in fact we've we've done nothing more that we've added um kind of maxed out how many ap classes we've added but we've continued to add like college and high school classes like i, I added another um, another computer language in a college and high school class this year where we're full and it's 25 and you walked in and it doesn't look like your, you know, computer science classroom from 1995. That's for sure. <laughs> um, so you see a lot of, um, you know, different ethnicities. You see a lot of, um, you know, men and women in that class that, you know, yeah. you wouldn't normally see the, the classes. And I remember I took, I took a language called Pascal in high school and there were you know eight boys right so you know my classes don't look like that anymore as far as um, computer science goes so it's really cool to see and again all we can do as teachers is provide opportunities so uh, you know I'm not saying that every single person in my class is going to be a software engineer but I mean they're they're exposed to computer science they're exposed to statistics and now they have an opportunity they see what I mean, there's so many jobs available in those realms. So yeah. um, they see, I talk about that all the time, that this is life-changing for you. If you can pursue a career and you don't have to be the programmer, but you, as long as you know what you're talking about when you sit at the table, you know, you might be in marketing, but you understand computer science. You might be in business, but you understand computer science. You may be, you know, you know, you may open up your own beauty salon, but you understand how to analyze the, you know, the, the, the customer data that's coming in to keep your business going, you know. So we, we do a lot of, I allow the students to find their own data um, in, in some of my classes where, 
you know, we look at, you know, what do you like? You like sports? We'll, we'll talk about sports. You can, you, can, you can do your projects about sports. You like, you know, you're in beauty school or whatever. Um, you're, you're going for cosmetology. We can find your data mm-hmm. um, around that. So we, I allow mm-hmm. students to kind of like read the books that they want to read. Um, I, I talk about that a lot. Like when I was in school, you know, I didn't really read a book until uh, like a full book until there was one about baseball my junior year. <laughs> You know, I, 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 you know, <laughs> I read a lot of cliff notes to get through because I didn't like, you know, I couldn't relate to, I couldn't relate to a lot like of the stories that we, <laughs> I couldn't relate to a lot of the stories that we read, but, but when you allow students to pick the books and you allow students to pick the context that they're learning in, um, right. you know, you see a lot more, a lot more response from them and they're engaged and they, they, you know, you know, it might be about a video game. It might be about sports. It might be about cats. Whatever, whatever they like on a regular basis, you see that in their projects, and that's very rewarding for me. It sure is, and I got to tell you, I'm going to swing over to the up two. By the way, we got about five, six minutes left, but I just want to say one thing. You said the magic word, Kevin. You said rigor, okay? And for too long, to educators, it was felt that a lot of kids just couldn't do the hard work. Okay, they wouldn't step up. Mm-hmm. We applied a rigorous curriculum. And you know what? The kids do step up. They're dying to learn. They're dying to do this stuff. Okay, and the more rigorous we make their curriculum, okay, the better they're going to do. They're going to step up. You, you nailed it, man. I got to tell you. Okay, and I'm glad you like baseball. Okay, sorry about the Pirates. <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll move okay. on. No problem. Okay, Steph, real quick, equity. We've got about two minutes, Steph. Do it. Equity. Sure. So about five or six years ago, I realized that I was doing my job as a special ed teacher. These students were coming to me for um, resource room math, and I would have them for three years. And by the end of the three years, we would reevaluate them, and we would find that, like, I had done my job as a teacher. They had done their work as students, and we had closed that um, gap, like the discrepancy gap between their math achievement and their ability. The problem was that I would then dismiss them from my special ed services. They would go back to general ed math and then they would fail because they weren't used to the rigorous um, general classroom and those expectations yeah. and those teachers' ways of teaching. Um, so I reached out to a general ed math teacher in my dis- in my school being like, you know, what can we do about this? Um, my students are, they do wonderful, they do hard work and then they go and then they fail. Um, and so we decided like, why don't we just combine classes? Let's start teaching them together. Let's get these students, wow. um, let's, let's wow. get these students in the general classroom and get them used to that rigor so that when they are dismissed, when we do our job, they're already used to it. They're already in that environment. They already have um, confidence. Um, and so we started with a one-year pilot program in seventh grade math. It was really successful. All 11 of my students, um, they passed math that year, general ed math. Um, and so we just wow. slowly started wow. adding more and more classes to the point that it's kind of now district-wide. Um, our reading, our English teachers, um, the, our social skills teachers, all our special ed teachers are continuously pushing students back into the general classroom. Um, to get them not used to just the rigor of the curriculum um, and their academic expectations, but we are also seeing like a culture change um, between like our special ed students and our general ed students and the relationships that are being built and the social skills um, and just the acceptance of students that like these students bring value to our classroom and they bring value to like the culture of our school. Um, And so that's um, been my greatest, um, I think, achievement in education. um, And that's been um, my passion It's a hell of an achievement. 
<clears throat> and a great one to get to understand that. Teresa, rigor, equity, go yes. for it. You've got two minutes. Absolutely. Um, rigor is extremely important, but I'll begin, I'll begin with the concept that you have to see it to believe it. So for my student population, nice. one of the mission is to allow our students, grant our students opportunities for role models, people into our school who are working for NASA, who are, you know, within the robotics field, mm -hmm. who have occupations that traditionally seem to have been um, closed or not accessible for students of color. So that's number one. They have to see it to believe it. Number two is definitely believe in, believing in the abilities of our students. And rigor is important. And so that means that you set the standard and you give kids an opportunity of student choice. When students can choose what their pathway to that end result will be, they're more engaged in it. For example, whether it be a history project, allowing them to select the topic of research that is one that they're interested in. That's it, right. And just like teaching, it won't feel like work, but they're learning. They're engaged in the process. It's an authentic authentic educational experience. And so that's what we try to do to ensure that our students are given occupations or opportunities, I should see, say, to have different occupations. And the other thing, it comes down to diversifying the teacher pool as well. Absolutely. To see, you Absolutely. have to see it, to believe in it. And it doesn't matter whether it's socioeconomic diversity, whether it's gender diversity, whether it's race diversity, cultural diversity. We need people in our classrooms who reflect the backgrounds of the people we're working with as students. And so all of this, uh, social activism, social justice is an important issue, allowing my students of color to recognize that they can have an impact that they have a voice. We use John Lewis as our motto. You know, when you see something that's not right, you have to do something about it. And so we put our students in situations where they can research issues today that confront their community, and then they have the opportunity to generate and brainstorm and present position policy papers on how these things can be addressed. So letting them know that they are the future of the community, that they have a voice, they can use that voice, and that giving them those opportunities to have more authentic learning experiences and keeping the rigor at the same time is my perspective of what it means to really address diversity and equity. You know, one of you is going to win this big award, and we have two other people I just want to mention who could be with us today, that's Lee Perez from uh, Nebraska, Natalie Johnson Berry from uh, Kansas. I hope they're over that Kansas-Nebraska thing many, many years ago. Okay? And, and i got to tell you something. <laughs> okay? I wouldn't want to be a judge to have to select one of you five people, you three I know now. Okay, it's it's just you're just amazing educators and amazing people. I got to tell you, and congratulations to you. I really mean that. Okay, it's just it's just great to know all three of you, and I hope you had an enjoyable time here on the podcast. I hope you did. We did you. definitely. Okay. Thank, Thank you, Larry. No, my, Thank you. Me, my pleasure. And uh, 
If we, by the way, we're going to get five to eight inches of snow here, Steph, on next Saturday. Next Saturday night. <laughs> we're so supposed to get build. another six inches this week. There you so, go. Oh, there you we're go. not alone. <laughs> Welcome to winter, everybody. Spring starts tomorrow, okay? Thank you, all three of you. Thank you so much. Take care. Thank you for Bye-bye. having you. me. Larry. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you, Kev. Okay, everybody. Well, we're going to archive this great show. Please share it with people over at h-n.org. Okay, just go hit on the podcast link. You'll be able to uh, listen to the show. Okay, that's h-n.org, the home website of our American Consortium for Equity and Education. I'm Larry Jacobs. Thanks for listening. Ryan here and I have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer a hand clapper a high fiver I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.